Grace, mercy, and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, the Alpha, the Omega, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters. Fired by a five-year-old. Expelled by an eighth grader. Thrown out of the game by a parent in the stands. Are all things that never happen. A five-year-old, a kindergartner, can have lots of complaints about how their teacher treats them, but they cannot fire them. An eighth grader can be mistreated by his classmates, can be bullied, but he doesn't have the power to expel them as much as he would like to do. And parents who, who parents of football players, of, of sports players, you, you watch what your kids are going through on the field and how you wish you could intervene, but you can't. Can you? That's not to say that these situations aren't somewhere, uh, aren't situations where something needs to be done. If a kindergartner is mistreating her class, is not teaching well, something must be done about that, right? If there's bullying going on in the eighth grade classroom, somebody needs to do that. Bullying needs to stop. And if the players are, are really harassing the quarterback, if they're using excessive aggression and violence and they're gloating way too much, over a sack, well, that's just not right. Someone needs to do something about that. But what you and I get confused about is whose job is it? It seems, especially nowadays, there's a lot of confusion, myself included, yourself included, about whose business it is to right wrongs. You see, there are scales, right? Scales of morality. And when something bad happens, when somebody does something evil, those scales are imbalanced. But whose job is it to balance out the scales, to dole out punishment, to make evil people pay? Whose job is it to enact what we're going to call retribution? That's what we find out. We find the answer to our confusion in Genesis chapter 50. But this is the turning point. This is the culmination of a pretty long story that happened to a family. A family who is at the point where the, the scales are imbalanced. And it seems like now is the time where the retribution is going to happen. And where things got off kilter, where things started to go bad, was all the way back during Joseph's childhood. Joseph was one of 12 boys, big family. But the animosity grew when their father, Jacob, treated Joseph like his favorite. Jacob loved Joseph more than his other sons, and he didn't do a thing to hide that. And Joseph's brothers, instead of hating, instead of hating Jacob, instead of feeling angry towards their father, all of their anger was directed at Joseph. And they allowed their hatred, they allowed their jealousy to fester, to nurture and so I'm sure it started off with what are now called maybe microaggressions. Maybe Joseph's brothers didn't want to make eye contact when he was walking past them. Maybe when Jacob was sending them out to the fields to take care of their flocks, they volunteered to work with anyone else other than Joseph. Maybe when they were sitting around the dinner table, Joseph would say something, try to contribute to the conversation, and his brothers would snicker, would laugh, and would start to mutter stuff under their breath about him. 
But as grudges, as hatred, as anger can happen, that was allowed to nurture, that was allowed to fester, and soon enough it gave birth into hateful actions. All of a sudden, Joseph's brothers are more than happy to, they find, an, uh, they find a situation where they can grab him and they throw him into a dried out well. And they sit there, talking about what to do with their brother, and they're seriously considering killing him. It all started with just Jacob treating him a little bit better than them, and now they're talking about ending the life of their own flesh and blood. But it seems like at the perfect time, a, a band of slave traders are coming down the road, and they say, oh, no, let's not kill him. Let's make some money. Let's sell him into slavery. Can you imagine? Your own brother? Do you see how dangerous it is when we allow anger and hatred and a grudge to fester? What kind of damage it can do to even the most basic essential of relationships? They sell him off. But if you know the story, you know how God has God tremendously blessed Joseph, even in his suffering, even in his slavery. God blessed him with success because Joseph worked really hard and he was recognized for it. And with some setbacks, certainly, along Joseph's, along Joseph's story, a few years later, Joseph finds himself as second in command of all of Egypt. Now, the timing couldn't have been more perfect for him to get revenge on his brothers because a famine hits the whole land. People can't grow crops. There's not enough pasture land for their herds. And so what does everyone do? They go to Egypt. Egypt, which is fertile, which they have a vast storage of food that, because they saw the, the famine coming. And so Joseph's own brothers wind up in Joseph's court begging him for food to survive. Joseph reveals that he's Joseph. He reveals that he's their brother. They thought he was long dead, and of course they're terrified. But there's peace for a little while. Joseph invites his brothers and his dad, Jacob, into Egypt to, to live and to survive and to eat and to keep on living. But then, at the point of our lesson, Jacob passes away. Now what's going to stop Joseph from getting his? Now that dad is gone, now that dad is not watching this situation, now that dad's opinion no longer matters because he's dead and gone, is now the time that Joseph is going to get retribution? That's what's on the hearts of Joseph's brothers. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. I'm sure you've felt this way before. I'm sure when you have wronged someone, and I have too, we sit in someone's hands and we have no, no option but to beg them for forgiveness, to beg them for mercy, because it's totally up to them to simply squeeze, and they could get back to us, and they could make us hurt really bad. 
because we know the law of retribution. We know that the world operates by paying back people wrong for wrong. That is how we live. When somebody gets sarcastic with you and hurts your feelings, you get sarcastic right back and try to hurt their feelings. When somebody honks at you on the highway, you honk right back because you want to let them know you didn't appreciate that. When somebody harms you, first thing on our minds is how we can harm them back, how we have to settle accounts. But does that work? Is the law of retribution, is balancing the scales, taking it upon ourselves to balance those scales, does that work? It really doesn't. If your spouse gets mad at you, starts giving you the cold shoulder, and so you respond by giving them the cold shoulder back, what does that do? What does that accomplish? Not a ton, right? It makes the conflict get worse, doesn't it? When that driver honks at you on the highway and you honk right back, what does that accomplish? Now there's a lot of honking going on. It doesn't solve anything. When someone harms you, when someone hurts you, and you hurt them back, does that take away the hurt that they did to you in the first place? No. See, brothers and sisters, when we take retribution into our own hands, when we consider it our job, our business, to balance out the scales, we only make things worse. We contribute to the cycle of hatred and anger and violence instead of stopping it. Now, i got to clarify what I mean. Some of you, in your job, in your, in your vocations in life, it is your job to sort of balance out the scales. Some of you have power to fire people who are bad at their job, and that's something that you have to do, or you have to discipline the kid in your classroom who's not acting right. But that's different. That's justice. We have responsibility to that. But we're talking about the morality of the picture. Is it our job to answer the evil we see in others? We can understand where Joseph's brothers are at. They appeal to the highest authority that they possibly can. They throw a Hail Mary. They say, because our father was a servant of the one true God, Joseph, think about what you're going to do next. Think about the next thing that you do. Don't get revenge on us because God is watching. I have, I have to assume that they did not see Joseph's response coming because it is so foreign to the way that we think by nature. This is what Joseph says. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Retribution, Joseph is saying, is not my business. What you did was wrong, my brothers. You harmed me. You threw me into the bottom of a well. You sold me into slavery. None of that is good. Joseph's not calling that good. But Joseph refuses to take it upon himself to answer their evil. That's not my job, Joseph says. That's in God's hands alone. When Jesus walked this earth before he suffered and died, before he rose, he said plenty of things that were controversial in his day. He said plenty of things that got people riled up, but chief among them, was one occasion when a guy was brought to him and he looked at him and he said, Son, your sins 
are forgiven. Humanly speaking, this was the first time anyone thought that they had met. This is different than if you stepped on my toe and I said, oh, I forgive you, it's okay. This is more like if you stepped on my toe and then a third person watched it happen and said, I forgive you, it's okay. By claiming the authority to forgive sins, Jesus was claiming that retribution is his business. That he can see into that man's heart as well as yours and mine and he can tell how immoral we are. That he knows everything wrong that we've done. And he's saying, it's my business to answer that wrong, but I choose to give forgiveness instead. Jesus claimed on the authority to forgive sins was as much a claim to being one with God as anything else he said. Retribution is in my hands, Jesus said. I am the one who's going to balance out the scales. And you know what? He did. Already. Because he went to a cross. He answered your evil and mine, and the evil done to you, by giving up his life as a ransom for many. It is in Jesus' hands to right the wrongs, and the way he did it was by suffering for all of our wrongs, to give us full and free forgiveness. He knew about our anger and our hatred. He knew about the cycle of violence and anger repaying wrong with wrong, and he put an end to it by giving us forgiveness instead of punishment. So, brothers and sisters, you can take all of your hurt, the hurt that you've caused yourself and the hurt that other people have caused you, and you can bring it to the cross. And you can say to Jesus, God, I don't know what to do with this. I can't deal with all this wrong, mine and that of others. You deal with it. And you can dump it there. And Jesus says, I do. I will. I forgive you. You can be free of the burden of having to make people pay for what they've done. It's in God's hands. Walk in the grace of God shown on the cross. That's what Joseph shows us to do, to recognize whose job it is to answer sin. And that's why he can say what he says next. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them, and spoke kindly to them. If there's one thing that's true about a grudge and hanging on to hurt, it's that it forces you to stay stuck in the past. It keeps you, doesn't it? A grudge keeps you from living your life and continuing on forward. Joseph was able to forgive his brothers the deep hurt that they caused because he was looking at the bigger picture. That, that what had happened was just one bump along the bigger story of God's salvation and love. That's you and me too, brothers and sisters. See yourself in the context of God's bigger story for you. That God created you and redeemed you and has much better things in store for you after this life. 
and you won't need to get stuck in the past and obsess over making people pay for what they've done. You'll be free to forgive. And it seems really hot right now to talk about boundaries. We definitely did in Bible study. There's, 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 there's some importance to recognizing boundaries. If somebody hurts you, you want to protect yourself from getting hurt again. You don't want to just throw yourself on people to hurt you. But notice how Joseph approaches boundaries. To the very brothers who almost killed him, who definitely sold him into slavery, what does he do? He forgives them. He welcomes them into his household. He speaks kindly to them. He reaffirms the relationship. He keeps it going. He refuses to push them out of his life. He says, you're my brothers. I'm going to take care of you. That's what kind of boundaries Christians set. We're going to keep loving people, even the people who have wronged us. This is only possible when you give retribution to God. That's his business. Just think about the pain that Joseph's brothers walked into this situation with. Think about the pain a guilty conscience can cause somebody. Think about the pain that everyone in this world is going through that doesn't have Christ, doesn't have the cross to dump their sins off on. Do you realize how much a breath of fresh air it was to hear Joseph give them unconditional forgiveness? Do you realize how countercultural that is right now? To just say, I'm not going to hold it against you, I forgive you realize the peace you will be giving someone when you forgive them from your heart, when you choose not to seek retribution on them. That's what we're here for, brothers and sisters. We're free to do it because we leave retribution in God's hands. That's his business. What's our business? Show people Jesus, especially in the way that we forgive. Amen.